Chris Chouse. Welcome back to the show, baby. We uh, got Kyle. We got Jake in the house. What's going on, fellas? How are we doing? I, I mean, I, I'm starting to get a little excited, a little more excited about the pot. People are starting to really listen to the podcast. Ooh. We are climbing up the Apple charts, and we couldn't do it without you listeners out there. So we greatly appreciate that. Mm. Climbing away. Climbing. Give me climb some chub. Nice chub. Keep the chub in the, in the corral, man. You know. Just because you're on video doesn't mean that they shouldn't hear what you can see. Yeah, just, you know, <laughs> lasso that thing in the corral and leave it in the box. Man. It's going to have to be a big rope, Chaus. Speaking of rope, man, we got Zach Wilson and his new nickname, the Cooler Killer. <laughs> you guys knew I was going to open up this show with this, man. I mean, okay, fine. Nobody cares who you're fucking. I, I just, I, it's just, it's just funny to me because... It's your mom's best friend, dude. What are you doing? You trying like, to be like a porn star celeb? Like, what are you doing? It's Stifler's mom. I mean, we've been Stifler's talking about this mom, since yeah. American Pie, right? I mean, this has been like for a long time. And I mean, how fitting is it, though, that he goes to BYU, mm. whose mascot <laughs> is the Cougars? I mean, it's just this story came full circle. And you're right. Does anybody really care? No. But I mean, no. it's something funny to talk about. Now, all of a sudden, people are talking about moving Zach Wilson up their rankings and doing all I already had him moving up my rankings, but I mean, this, this stuff like this is, it, it makes it fun to talk about. I mean, as long as it doesn't hinder his performance on the field, I, I don't care. going to make it better. It should only make it better, man. <laughs> he's, he's, he's the cool killer. <laughs> She's make probably teach, teaching him some stuff. Probably about how to know, read hey, defenses. As you get older. Yeah. yeah. How to read defense. <laughs> how to read defenses of the younger ones, the younger generation, how to go deep. Whoa. Oh, <laughs> that's it. We start buying stock in Garrett Wilson right now. <laughs> Too much. <laughs> hey, man, that's why we're explicit. But hey, Zach, you do your thing, man. But it's funny. Apparently, his girlfriend is dating his uh, former best friend at BYU now. So, hey, sharing galore over there. But hey, Zach, whatever you're into, I mean, it is what it is. But we got that big trade to discuss, fellas. Oh, and that huge. is Baker, Baker, Mayfield. I thought he you were going to say Nikhil Harry. That <laughs> one's later. That one's not as big. That one. That one's blockbuster number two. But I mean, Baker, Bake Show. We finally send them packing from the Cleveland Browns to the Carolina Panthers. Everybody knows this. We just haven't had a chance to discuss it yet as a tandem. And uh, I mean, 2024 conditional fifth round pick for the former first overall pick in the NFL draft. I that That right there to me is Cleveland written all over it, man. Just, you know, how you can trade a player in his prime because, you know, you quote unquote, the rumors are that they wanted an adult at the position. So, I mean, obviously this divorce is coming for quite some time. And I mean, I mean, Cleveland's going to eat $10.5 million of his salary too. And they play week one. So you're paying him $10 million to play against you, hoping that he's going to lose. That is insanity. Cleveland Good Lord, we can make like eight shows a week on this, man. It is. It's like you said, it's, it's just the Cleveland Browns, right? This is like this. This is like what the Browns, no offense, Kyle, and the Lions just do. You know what I mean? Mm. Like, at least that's what they've done for decades. You know, it just every once in a while just makes stupid decisions. I mean, who would have thought the roster that we had in Cleveland just a few short years ago? We're talking about Odell Beckham and Jarvis Landry and Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb. All of a sudden, that has gone to. I have more faith in the Lions than I do the, the Browns right now, which is absolutely crazy because it looked like they, 
it looked like it had been switched and the Browns have finally turned that corner, but not so much as far as Baker going to Carolina isn't much of a surprise. I think it was just last week we talked about how you know Carolina was still the top option in our opinion because of the offense. Maybe Kyle didn't agree with that. Did you not agree with that, Kyle? No, I did. I accidentally clicked out of something on my computer. Oh, Kyle looked at me like he was confused. Like, don't say, don't speak for me. And, and I was confused <laughs> about something else. Okay. Uh, but yeah, I mean, we, we kind of thought, thought, thought that, you know, going to Carolina fits Baker Mayfield. Now he's going to go there and there's this talk that he's going to compete with Sam Darnold. I don't even know if you make a trade like this, even though they didn't give up very much to have some type of a competition. Like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The, the tryout for Sam Darnold was last year. Okay. Well, they, they already know what they have there. The coaching staff didn't change. It's got to be Baker week one. Yeah. No, I, yeah. Cause I think even when I did the breaking news video, there was quite a few people who were like, well, you don't even know if he's going to start week one. I'm like, why'd they trade for him then? Like if you, why would you trade for him? If you don't plan on playing him right away, if, if Sam Darnold was your guy and you fully believe that he was your guy, then you wouldn't have made a trade like this. And some people are like, well, you know, give him a little bit of competition. Maybe listen, Baker Mayfield isn't making Sam Darnold better. Let's just be hundred percent clear about that. There is no competition there. That's going to make Sam Darnold a better quarterback. So they clearly didn't believe in Darnold. There was talk of them drafting a quarterback, which they technically did, but there was draft, you know, talk of them drafting quarterbacks. They were in the Deshaun Watson trade for quite a bit. They were linked to Russell Wilson at one point in time. They clearly wanted another quarterback. They didn't believe in Sam Darnold. So now they have their 15th quarterback in the last three years to try and play the position. But you got a quarterback that is a number one, former number one overall pick that now has a giant chip on his shoulder. Give me that over Sam Darnold. 100%. And I mean, I'm not going to sit here and say, I couldn't say it with a straight face anyway, that Baker Mayfield's some elite quarterback in the NFL. Yeah. Because he's not. He's not going to be, he's not going to be the type that lights up a, a box score. But Baker Mayfield can win you ball games. They may be ugly. It may not be won because of him, but he he can go out there and, and put a team in the win column, especially if they can keep Christian McCaffrey healthy. DJ Moore could absolutely eat up some receptions now, may not get anything deep down the field. But I mean, look what Jarvis Landry was in the Cleveland offense a few years ago. I kind of see something similar for DJ Moore this year, where he's getting close to 100 receptions. He's, you know, crossing a thousand yards, a handful of touchdowns. I actually like this a lot more for DJ more than I did with Sam Darnold under center. Yeah. And I think it's good for all the wide receivers there too, for the most part, because except Robbie Anderson, well, Robbie Anderson sucks, but because I mean, Mayfield's known to spread the ball around. I mean, he's been known in his career to not just lock onto one person. And that's what made fantasy owners frustrated. It's what made Odell Beckham jr. Frustrated. It's what made Cleveland fans frustrated. It's like, why doesn't he just throw the big? Because he doesn't lock in. It wasn't like with Stafford and Calvin Johnson where he was lit, legit just ripping it down the field and saying, hey, Calvin, go get it for me. It wasn't like that with Mayfield. Mayfield is, is going to throw the ball around to everybody. He's going and But now you're not going to have that type of that type of atmosphere that he had in Cleveland. He gets a new chance. He gets to move on. Um, you know, the thing that we talked about last week, the play action pass, he's always been excellent at the NFL level with that. If McCaffrey's healthy, that's going to help out a lot. It's, it's a better situation for him to just restart at this point. It could have been a lot worse. He could have gone, gone into the season without a team at all. So could this be a situation? I'm going to play devil's advocate on the, on the reverse because of how well Sam Darnold played the first four or five games of last season before it all went to shit. But I'm I'm only saying this. What if what if CMC is healthy, fine, and he takes a lot of pressure off the Bake Show? 
But what if they understand lock down DJ Moore, double cover him every single week, force Baker to go deep either to Robbie or to Terrace Marshall. And okay, the only thing he's going to have viable is a Christian McCaffrey check down option with really, I mean, Tommy Tremble, my boy, hopefully he's going to be something. But I mean, really, I mean, if you do that, is this going to inhibit Baker Mayfield to, or is it going to actually make Baker Mayfield what we saw in Cleveland, where he is having the inconsistencies, the inability to get down the field, and then the defenses understand how to how to play against him? And are we convinced Matt Rule is smart enough to adapt and change? That's the biggest question right there, in my opinion, Matt is Matt Rule, because I kind of think he's like the the X factor in a bad way here. He just seems like completely lost, making making decisions that just are mind blowing to me. Like the whole Cam Newton situation last year and how much money they paid him for half a year. And then, you know, they started rotating him with PJ Tucker and Sam. He just was, there was no clarity with anything. Nothing made sense. Now, one name that I know Kyle brought up, I believe it was during the the breaking news video. Rashard Higgins is here also. Now Rashard Higgins is not by any means a top tier NFL wide receiver. He's not some top 24 guy, but he has chemistry with Baker coming over from Cleveland. Mm-hmm. So they kind of already have that. With a with a Robbie Anderson, honestly, I don't see a whole lot going to Robbie Anderson with the way that he handled the whole Baker news. Sorry. I don't think Baker's the type of guy that's just going to say, oh, yeah, man, don't worry about it. I'm pretty sure he's going to like tell him to suck it, if you know what I mean. Uh, Terrace Marshall Jr., DJ Moore, Rashard Higgins, and possibly your boy Tommy Tremble. Tommy Tremble! I do think is enough to go out there and like I said, to win ball games, they're going to have to rely a little bit more on their defense. Uh, they're definitely going to have to rely a lot, a lot on their defense. Getting J.C. Horn back should be a big help for that secondary as well because I see this team kind of being one of those, we're going to dink and dunk you. They're going to win a lot of games. Not a lot of games. Let me rephrase that. They're going to win games by single-digit points that are scored in the low teens. You know I mean? They're not going to be a team that goes out there every week and puts up 30. They're just not going to be that type of offense, but they can go out there and potentially win a game 13-10. to 10. You know, that's kind of what I'm seeing here in – I think they have enough. Uh, you know, I think they have enough. Is it going to be enough to win this division? Absolutely freaking not. It's still going to Tampa Bay. I would still almost borderline. I don't even know if they're, it's almost a three-way tie for who sucks least between Atlanta, New Orleans, and, and Carolina. I'd kind of have to give the the nod as of right this second to New Orleans being the second team in that division. Well, I think it it matters too. Like, does Mayfield take care of the ball? And does Matt Rule put him in a position where he feels like he can take care of the ball? Like he's not feeling like he has to go out there and win games. Like if I'm Matt Rule, I'm bringing Baker Mayfield into my office right away. And I'm going to say, look, man, like I'm not, I know you want to go out there and I know you want to show people that you deserved better. And I know you want to show up Cleveland and I know you've got this chip on your shoulder, but I need you to just be you. I need you to just go out there and play football. Don't try to be that don't try to be Patrick Mahomes. Don't try to be Josh Allen. Don't try to be these top tier guys and be like, you know, I'm not saying you're not top tier, but just be yourself. Do what you did in Cleveland. That was successful. All right. We're going to get you guys. We're going to put you into a scheme that is going to get people open. I mean, the good news is, is that they did draft Akimu Kwanu. So they were able to upgrade the left tackle position by quite a bit. Um, and it, how do the wide receivers grow? Does Terrace Marshall Jr. I love Terrace Marshall Jr. coming out of LSU. I think he can be a great playmaker. He kind of got lost with a preseason injury last year. And then obviously Sam Darnold ended up getting hurt by the time he was kind of getting back and healthy. And then he was on and off the field at times. Um, you know, where are they going to play him as well? Is he going to be in the slot? Is he going to be outside? I think the best thing this team could do is put him on the outside with DJ Moore in the slot 
mm-hmm. Robbie Anderson on the other side, because I think that gives them the most the most open space to work with. And then they could go two tight end sets a little bit as well. If they're, I mean, try to throw them off a little bit, you know, throw Ian Thomas and Trimble out there together at the same time. They've never been fantasy viable or really even anything viable, but throw a little two tight end set out there just to mess with people a little bit, maybe give an extra blocker for, uh, for Christian McCaffrey and just don't, don't try to be an offense that you're not, don't go crazy, you know, Take your shots down the field when you have them. Use Christian McCaffrey wisely this year. Don't overrun him, but let May- let Baker Mayfield run the offense if he's ready to go. All right, here's a question for both of you about Christian McCaffrey. If Christian McCaffrey plays, if I could tell you right now that he's going to play 14 games this season, where do you draft him in the first round? If you know you're going to get 14 games out of him. Probably third overall. I'll go second. Okay, because I was kind of thinking the same exact thing. So, I mean, I think a lot of people are like, I don't want anybody that misses games, but I mean, we've got to be somewhat realistic here mm-hmm. with a guy well, that's average- be, I mean, Delvin Cook would be behind him. He's always potentially going to miss games. We've seen yep. it for Derrick Henry would be right there. He's coming off, obviously, the injury last year Austin and a heavy Eckler. workload. Austin Eckler. So, yeah, I've got Eckler. I've still got Eckler. I would take him in front of him right now. Um, but yeah, but it still holds true. You know, last year he was healthy two years ago. He missed time. So it's not like there's anybody in that area too, where it's like, Oh, bona fide. I know for a fact that he's going to be, you know, good and ready to go. I mean, if you really wanted to be super safe, you could still go Najee over him. If you wanted to. I, the reason I, I like asked this is because this is starting to get like eerily similar to just a few years ago when people were avoiding Dalvin cook and like, they didn't, they didn't want to pay attention to anything right in front of them they're just like oh the guy just misses too many games he's always hurt no thank you and then dalvin cook comes out and finishes top three top five like i'm all of a sudden starting to get that feeling about christian mccaffrey that everybody's just saying nope i don't want that headache anymore and so many people are going to do it and they're going to be burned because christian mccaffrey if playing just 14 games could easily finish top two top three I got that same feeling for Saquon, man. Like in the, yeah, in the that feeling every year. Child. No, man. This year is <laughs> this year is different because last year was just man. If he's not looking the wrong damn direction to roll that ankle, we're having a completely different conversation, man. And so, yeah. I don't know. I I got that right in the pit of the stomach right now for Saquon. That I'm loving it. But yeah, for me, CMC would be number two for me right now. I mean, this is today. a great lesson for everybody out there listening right now that plays fantasy football. It, it's hard to sit there and look at talent and not take a chance on them. Fantasy football is all about risk. It, it really never matters who you draft. There's always going to be an opportunity for injury. Always. I mean, you could draft Jonathan Taylor and Jonathan. Don't you dare put that on JT. Don't you dare. Jonathan Taylor. You, first you just, overall you just jinxed him. <laughs> yeah. Something could happen to him. Nobody thought, you know, Derrick Henry finally, you know, last year, his is a little bit of a freak injury more than breaking down, but he has something happen. Two years ago, Joe Mixon went down with an injury and missed half the year, but going up to that, he was actually one of the running backs that had been the healthiest over the first couple of years. It's just one of those things where when you get into these drafts, it it takes something special to win a fantasy football league. You could be playing with complete noobs that have no idea what they're doing and you still have to have things go your way, regardless of if you draft a CMC at number two or you draft a hell. If you draft, if you want to draft CMC at number one because you think he's going to be healthy, 
I'm not going to argue that against you because anything could happen. Like it's all about risk. So draft talent. If talent is there and it falls to a point, that's great. Mm-hmm. Like Saquon Barkley, talent, first round talent in the third round, sign 100%. me up every single freaking time. Like 100%. Don't ever just overlook a guy because you're scared that he's going to get hurt. Anybody can get hurt. If you can get a good value on him, take him. Saquon is a top five running back in this league, still fully healthy, 16, 17 games. And, and I mean, okay, fine. We understand Danny Penny's is a problem, but they got wide receivers for days. There's going to be mismatches on the field. Yeah. The offensive line is always in question, but it's Saquon, man. It's Saquon hundred receptions, AKA CMC style. We've seen it before 90 receptions, I believe his first year. So come on. Come on, give so, it to me. Give it to so me. So, Chouse, let me ask you this, because in the offseason, we heard a little bit of yeah. Saquon to Buffalo. Yes. It kind of, the rumor mill was turning with oh. it. So, if the trade had happened, they didn't be draft smoking a James cigar Cook, right now. I would be. <laughs> and Saquon Barkley was in Buffalo. Yeah. Where would you draft him? Oh, mama, that is a good one. <laughs> There's no way this answer is unbiased. There's no way. No, none at all here. Unbiased, uh, you know, analyst talk right now. First overall, Saquon Barkley. He's no, a lot, but you lock him into the first round, right? I would, I would definitely put him in the first round. Yeah, I think definitely. everybody would be. Everybody would be, and you know what? Everyone would have forgotten about the injuries too, and they would have been like, "Heck yeah, Buffalo, let's go, baby!" Here's the like, thing. Just think about that. If yeah. he had a better quarterback right now, he would be higher. The sure thing that's keep the thing that's keeping him down is Daniel Jones. That's really the whole team. <clears throat> and I mean, you got Brian Dable now. So that's, that's kind of where whole, that's kind of where I'm I'm starting <clears throat> to be like in the pit of the stomach. Dable understands his playmakers. He understands what he's going to be able to do to utilize them. Yes, this is the recency bias. Get it out of your damn heads because just because Dable didn't run the ball in Buffalo, it's because he had Singletary and Zach Moss. So he was dedicating it to the pass game, even though we say we like Devin Singletary. I've seen him more than enough to say I understand why Dable passed the ball more. Now he's got a thoroughbred, man. You do not lock up a thoroughbred in the in the barn and say, you know what? Just just chill out, you know, rest those ankles. You don't do that. You unleash the man. I got a good feeling Saquon is going to be a resurgence in a half this season. And in the third round, man, that could be league winner written all over it. I can't disagree with that. I mean, and honestly, not that I'm a I'm not like a, a fan like you are of, of Barkley, but I kind of feel the same kind of way about Zeke Elliott. Like, I feel like a lot of people just look at Zeke Elliott and be like, oh, he's washed. It's all Tony Pollard now. Zeke Elliott, yeah, he had a down year last year. He still finished top 10. Mm-hmm. Like, and, and Zeke's the problem. Barkley was weird. terrible last year. No one was. Zeke actually had a good year last year. Mm-hmm. People are like, still like, I don't want to draft him. Now, is Zeke what he was when no. he was first got in the league? No, absolutely no, no. not. But the guy's still going to go out there. He's going to touch the ball right around 250-plus times. He's going to be slightly involved in the passing game. No Amari Cooper, no Cedric Wilson. You know, more opportunities for checkdowns. He's a 1,000-yard running back. He's a guy that's going to get you 1,200-plus total yards every single year. And now you get to get him in the third round as well. So to me, it's just absolutely crazy how quickly some of these like elite talent guys are being written off because of some struggles and I mean, we're all just going to sit back and reap the benefits from. We're going to win a lot of leagues this year mm-hmm. just by drafting Saquon Barkley and Ezekiel Elliott. <laughs> Imagine for a second <laughs> that you're going to draft Cam Akers over Ezekiel Elliott, coming off the Achilles and looking like absolute crap in the playoffs. Can't do it. 
that you're going to draft Antonio Gibson over Ezekiel nope. Elliott. Can't do it. If you're nope. worried about volume with Zeke, then how are you not worried about it even a little bit with Antonio Gibson? Imagine for a second you're going to draft David Montgomery, who has the nope. worst offensive line in all of football. Maybe has ever. no receiving weapons other than the goat Nikhil Harry, who they just traded for. And, and you have Justin Fields and a new coaching staff, right? Like, come on, people. Like, at that point, then, if you want to argue – Barkley, Fournette, like those guys, we start talking mm. about them. Yeah, you're probably not. But Zeke's going over those three guys, so he's like, he's 32 overall right now. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. Do you, do you realize when you just said Barkley and Fournette, I heard Chouse do this mm, right in the microphone. You, you heard me, right? Because I'm, I'm, <laughs> my juices are mm. coming out. <laughs> he didn't even say anything. He just, because mm. <laughs> it's tasty. It's it's glory. It's gorgeous. If you're drafting at the back end of the second round, you can get them both. Dude, could you imagine a team with Jonathan Taylor, Saquon Barkley, and Zeke Elliott to begin with? Like, or what if you what if you wanted to go like total total risk and you took Christian McCaffrey number one and you oh had, yeah, Mc, take- you had <laughs> McCaffrey, Barkley, and Zeke as your three running backs? <laughs> oh, you're all Lord. in on draft day. Either you're gonna either you're gonna win and not even be close yeah. to anybody, or you're you've already lost. Yeah, yeah you're, you're gonna win with just your running backs. And so many people won't do that because of the fear of risk of injury. It's just it's insanity, but. Oh, draft training camp is coming. The drafts are coming, but we got a blockbuster trade. Mm. Nikhil Harry traded to the Bears. He gets his new, uh, you know, change of scenery, what he wanted. 2022, uh, 2024, seventh round pick, I should say. And I mean, okay, let me just say, the, the current Bears wide receiver room looks gorgeous, man. Darnell Mooney, Vilas Jones, rookie. Byron Pringle, Dante Pittis, Teddy Sharp. And Nick Wiminius, St. Brown. I messed up his name awesomely. But, I mean, David Moore, I think he was just arrested, by the way. Um, Isaiah Coltier, uh, Webster, Daz Newsome, my boy. And then you got some other guys uh, filling out this roster. I mean, good Lord almighty, Justin Fields. I mean, I, you know, the funny thing is you brought up David Montgomery's name. He legit could have 150 receptions uh, in garbage time because they're going to be losing and it's just going to be, Hey, kill the clock. Everyone's covered. Check down, check down, check down. So the only reason I'm looking at David Montgomery is because of that PPR upside in garbage time, but good God almighty, you add in a Harry to this and I'm like, okay, who cares? Yeah. I mean, so they have the worst offensive line in football. They now have the worst receiving core in football. I mean, at some point you got to look at it and be like, dude, just, just Wait, tell everybody. They do. So are you saying that Harry made them? Yeah, they worse. got to kill Harry and got worse. Yeah, they got worse <laughs> by by trading for him. It's it's too bad because like that we like Darnell passion. Mooney, we like David Montgomery as players. I like mm-hmm. Justin Fields too, mm-hmm. but we're just seeing these guys get totally handcuffed by the organization that they play for because there's nothing around them. Love Darnell Mooney. Darnell Mooney, in my opinion, is a 1300 yard receiver in this league, but not when he's out there by himself. I mean, there's just defenses don't have to do anything. You can double team Mooney. And just take away the run with Montgomery. What else you got? You got Cole Komet. Okay. Like, I don't, good luck. I don't hate Cole Komet, but I mean, he's not Travis Kelsey. Okay. It's just not, it's not going to be enough. So I just, I don't know. I, I feel bad for Justin Fields. I, I really v- wish Velas somebody... Jones, Velas Jones is the, uh, he's almost retirement say, age. I know, but I mean, you know what it is? He's a late bloomer and, and he's got some skills. He's, he's, he's like a lesser, Debo-esque type of guy built wise and and he's got wheels he's got hands 
I understand he's 27 years old. He's as about a to draw social security. He is. I get it, man. The gray hair is already coming, but I just, I, I, I want to say he is the X factor. I think in this offense, that could be a big surprise for a lot of people because like you said, Mooney's going to be double covered. They're just going to take away the run fields is going to be running for his life. Maybe Vilas Jones becomes one of those weak two, three waiver wire gold gems off the wire. Here's Maybe. my question though. Maybe. I mean, I, I'm indifferent on Jones. It's, it's, it's great to make fun of him because of how old he is. Yeah. I didn't see anything on tape that like made me go like, Ooh, I love this guy, but there's nothing either that says I really don't like this guy and I don't want anything to do with him. I don't know if he made the team a whole lot better, but is fields going to have enough time to throw to these guys? Like, legit i mean playing in that division we know that green bay can get after the quarterback a little bit we know that minnesota can get after the quarterback detroit who's had issues getting after the quarterback now has two brand new rookie defensive ends that were known for getting after the quarterback in the college in fact i think they were two and three in terms of pff uh ratings for uh qb pressure last year Mm -hmm. so when you take a look at these this division that they're in Fields might have about five seconds to get rid of the football. So are they going to like, are they going to put him in a position where he can do that? So for Nikhil Harry, he's not that guy. Like, so as far as like fantasy value goes, if there's anybody out there listening right now, that's like, Hmm, late round pick. Like if you'd liked Harry coming out of college and you think he still has it, this was not the place for him to land to have it. Cause he's not that quick route guy. He's not that quick burst. He's not going to be a guy that's going to run those curl routes. He's a little bit more down the field contested catch guy or should be. Um, but he's not the guy that's going to make this offense any better. So, I mean, it's, I have trouble drafting anyone, anyone from this team. Nikhil and I'm not Harry. hating on the Bears because I have a Justin Fields RPA that I really need to sell. <laughs> and I would love to do that if he could play better. So, I want him to play better. And Nikhil Harry can't separate for shit. So, I mean, yeah. this is half the problem. He's got bricks for hands and he can't separate. So, I, Daz Newsome, man, do something and show everybody that I was correct, damn it. Daz, this is your year, man. You, If you wanted an opportunity, this is the room. That's right. I mean, I you think liked Daz Newsome. I, I still like Daz, Daz Newsome. Newsome. Yeah. I love Daz Newsome. He hasn't had a chance yet either. I mean, this is a perfect opportunity. If Daz Newsome doesn't do anything this year, scratch him off your list entirely. This yeah. was this is the year for anybody in that room to make a name for themselves. Daz Newsome is a great talent that could definitely help this team out. But I think he's also one of the guys that needs to be given a solid opportunity, not just go out there and run. 30 routes this season and see what happens. I'm talking about consistent work every single week. I think he could definitely develop a role there opposite of Darnell Mooney. I just, I can't trust the bears to do that. Yep. It's true. It's facts, factual information, but Daz, I'm your number one fan club, man. Prove me right, buddy. Prove me right. You may be. Damn. But anyway, proving people wrong. Jimmy G's making news again. And I mean, this time the Seahawks and the Texans are the front runners for a potential trade for Jimmy G services. And I mean, again, we see the Niners floating this out. I think they're trying to drive up a little bit more interest now that Baker's off the market and in Carolina. So, I mean, do we really see Jimmy G go into one of these clubs? I mean, Seattle's been pretty emphatic about saying that they're going to go with Locker Gino and they're okay with it. I mean, Houston has been kind of, you know, on the run. I haven't really said anything really. I mean, with Davis Mills, 
outside of, you know, and a new coaching staff. So Lovey Smith is not going to be necessarily tied to Davis Mills. So now you bring in a Jimmy G and you say, hey, we'll have a little quarterback competition and they could probably get him on pennies on the dollar on the return. I'm thinking, what, maybe a third round pick coming back to, to San Fran for Jimmy G? What do you guys think? Yeah, probably. But what in my mind, I'm thinking this way. Do you guys think that the 49ers have any chance to make the playoffs this year? Yes. yes. Okay. With that being said, why trade Jimmy G then? Like, just hold on to him. What happens if you start Trey Lance or you start Jimmy G and somebody gets hurt? Like, you have that opportunity because you're not going to get top dollar right now for Jimmy G because it's just not going to happen. So if if I'm not going to get anything major back in return, I'm just going to hold both of them and make sure that I have a little bit of an insurance policy for this season because we have a team that's capable of, of making another playoff push. So if I'm San Francisco, if I'm not being blown away, I'm not going to just give them away like Cleveland did with Baker Mayfield. You know, I mean, to me, Jimmy G is another one of those guys similar to Baker. He can, it's not sexy. I mean, not I mean, looks wise. He's, he's very, he's very sexy, but I'm talking he, about, he gets a lot of snatch. Yeah, I, I'm he's uh, no I, Sean McVay. Though. I can't, I can't compete with the Jimmy G looks here, but the guy can win ball games, right? We've seen him win ball games for multiple years. He may not light up the box score himself personally, but he definitely is, is, is capable of leading the NFL franchise to double digit wins. And if you got a team that's playoff capable, uh, I, at this point, I'm not surprised if they just hold on to him. But what's really hard to, to try to figure out is if they hold on to him and he's healthy, does he still start week one? Because I don't know how you don't start him week one if he's healthy. Because if you bench him, you kind of just get into that whole, uh, we've lost him now. He's going to request a trade. He wants out. And you kind of lose all leverage that way. So it's just a, a very delicate situation. That's my thoughts with it is that, I mean, we've heard – We've heard some reports recently that Jimmy G might not be the most friendly or loved person in the locker room. So, I mean, at this point, I don't even know if it's worth keeping him because he's like, hey, if I led you to the playoffs last year and you're still thinking about starting that guy over me, what's even the point? So I personally, it feels like one of those things where it's it, it it's kind of already done. And I don't know if I'd want to keep him around. I'd rather just get rid of him. If you you moved up to two. Or three. Was it two? Three. Moved three. up to three. Three. I three. can't remember anything. Three. You moved up to get Trey Lance. You obviously clearly think he's the guy because you paid a premium for it. It's go time. It's go time. Even if you are a, a team that can make the playoffs, you spent the draft capital. He's got to be ready at this point. If he's not ready now, I don't know if another... 10 games, 16 games, one season, whatever is going to be enough to get him ready if they don't think he's ready now. And that's where I'm at with this whole San Francisco situation is you've already redshirted him basically for the season last year in his rookie year. Try to get him to learn. He was raw. We all knew this. Okay. How do you fix a player who's got supreme God-given talent and ability you let him play and work it out on the field. Typically is what you do earlier rather than later. The only reason why I'm saying they should entertain trading Jimmy G so that he does so that Lance doesn't have the looking over his shoulder. If I make a mistake, Jimmy G's coming in. If I do this, Jimmy G's coming in. And and I think that will inhibit his confidence more than anything. So I think it's time where Sam and I and I get your point of saying you want that insurance policy as a team to keep Jimmy G on the on the sidelines or starting whatever and you do the rotation and he'll likely get injured anyway. But 
I think it is time to either shit or get off the pot for the 49ers and Kyle Shanahan. It's it's like, you know, rip the Band-Aid off and, you know, you're going to go through some inadequacy. But even with this defense and the way that this offense is built right now, even with a, I don't want to say lackluster, I want to say say above average performance by a Trey Lance, I still think this team can get in the playoffs. I do too, but we're all, we're all Trey Lance truthers. It's like true. I, if it was my, I mean, my franchise, I mean, dude, Trey Lance is the guy, you right. know what I mean? I just, I think it would be one of those learning curve type things for sure. But if you look at their offense, they don't have a really vertical offense. Like they're not known for going deep down the field consistently, really. Like they have the pieces that they have are capable of eating you up underneath. Mm-hmm. Now, is that a good thing for Trey Lance? Cause now we got to see the touch that he has on the ball because he's capable of throwing it 60 yards down the field, but they don't really have the weapons that are built to stretch the field every single time either. I mean, I don't mind Brandon Ayuk. We love Debo Samuel, but he's, Heck, Debo Samuel, Samuel's average, you know, yards per target is not stellar by any means. He's making things happen after the catch. George Kittle is a name that I think that he could benefit from these deep balls down the field from Trey Lance, maybe more than the wide receivers. So I'm all excited. Like I want as a NFL fan, as a football fan, I want to see Trey Lance. Like that's, that's what I want to see. And I mean, if that's the case, if that's what San Francisco is going to do, then, then maybe you just say, Hey, listen, who wants Jimmy? You know, send us a fourth, send us a fifth, whatever it is. Just, just end it now. And, and like you said, rip that bandaid off. I don't, they're never going to get that. They're never going to get a ton for him anyway. I mean, not anymore. <laughs> maybe Carolina will trade for Yeah. Maybe they can just have like a three-way competition. <laughs> yeah. But that's, that's the thing. Like even, even if you go back to Jimmy G and he plays the entire season leads them to the playoffs again, has a Jimmy G-like season. He's not going to have an MVP year. It's just not going to happen. Are you going to get any more for him then than you would right now? Maybe you get a second. Maybe you get a third or something like that. You're never going to get a first-round pick for him. Everything would have to work out perfectly for a second. It's not like holding out at this point longer is really going to get you a whole lot either. So in that standpoint, it's like, Trey's your guy. Go with Trey. Just get him out of there. I mean, it's the same thing San Francisco did with Colin Kaepernick. He came in for Alex Smith. He was like, yep, like he took over. He was a dynamic playmaker. He was doing all these things. And they said, all right, we're moving on from Alex Smith. Alex Smith goes to Kansas City. Patrick Mahomes is traded for or not traded for. Patrick Mahomes is drafted. They stuck with Alex Smith. Mahomes was the guy. They went with Mahomes after that and moved on from Smith. So Smith has gotten it twice now, but it's the same thing. Like you just have to know like when to move on from some of these vet quarterbacks. You just have to do it. And one name to watch out for the deep threat appeal is Danny Gray from SMU. Four three three wheels, and and he's put together like thick man. So when we talk about you know sleepers. He's definitely he's a rookie uh, uh, this season, so I mean I'm I'm definitely watching training camp for this. Hopefully, Danny Gray he shows some good stuff. But you know what, Kyle, we got some Lions to discuss. And I was I was watching the Lions beat writer. He was actually kind of interesting. He says, and and he's supporting what I've always been saying. He says, what did he say today? He doesn't see Amon Ra getting less than six targets a game, quote unquote. And, and and my that got my juices pumping too because I started getting even more excited because y'all know me I was I was all on the Amon Ra train and, and I mean okay the argument was a lot of the injuries now these guys are coming back now you got a Jamison potentially coming back October ish uh, potentially stealing some more touches away but now the way this offense is built I think that Detroit 
the way that they played last year, they were so uber competitive. I think that this is the season where they actually take it up another notch and, and they're going to be the, Chris. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> I know it's Detroit, but I mean, they take it up a notch. And, and what did they win last year? Three games. I think now it's about six games and, and you're going to see that build and it's because they were a hardworking team, but for Amon Ross, six targets, a game at minimum, that means that they're building the Cooper cup, uh, Jared Goff event in Detroit. And I'm all for it, man. I mean, I don't think, I think six targets, like six to our eight targets a game is like right on cue. It, that's kind of what I was thinking as well. My big thing with Amon Ra were the people saying that, oh, he's going to keep up the pace that he had at the end of the season. That is what worried me when he was getting 12, 12, 11, 11, 11, and 10. That I don't think can happen if TJ Hawkinson is healthy. If TJ Hawkinson is healthy, if people expect DeAndre Swift to take another step forward, and if Jamison Williams is healthy at any point in time, then at that point we have to say, okay, 11 like double digit targets a game is probably not going to be on the table, but six to eight. Absolutely. hundred percent. Definitely think he could fall into that range. We still have to hear more on Jameson and what's going to happen with him. I don't, I mean, Reynolds and Chark aren't going to take away a lot from him. I brought up Chark in a video the other day as kind of a late round guy, just because if there is no Jameson, then I do believe at that point, DJ Chark is going to be a guy that, it's going to have some big plays here and there. Maybe he's a guy that you start in like really, really good positions. I mean, people are going to be so infatuated with trying to keep him on raw and TJ Hawkinson and Deandre Swift. He's going to see some one-on-ones down the field that he could potentially win. So I, they have all levels of the field covered right now. They have the deep ball with Williams when he's healthy and they have it with, uh, with DJ Chark. You have the middle of the field now with Amon Ra and TJ Hawkinson, and you have that lower level of the field with DeAndre Swift. And for the first time in God knows how long, they have an offensive line that could compete as one of the best in all of football. So for me, everything is there. Now, are the X's and O's going to be there? Dan Campbell's a great motivator. I've got no problem with him there. I think he gets a little weird in his press conferences sometimes and tries to kind of like oversell himself a little bit and what the team needs to do. But will the X's and O's be there? If they are, absolutely, that step forward could be there for him. All I know is I saw a picture on social media earlier where it looks like some guys were out working out with Jared Goff, like they were doing a throwing session. All the guys were like hamming it up behind the camera, throwing up the peace sign, all excited, laughing. Amon Ra is death staring straight forward. Like he is just locked into another level. And the dude... The dude is pretty ripped. Like I don't, he, he added some weight this off season and he looks, he looks like he's ready to go. Now I do believe that he benefited a lot last year because of the lack of other options. The TJ Hawkinson injury uh, really helped elevate him. I have a feeling though, that even though Amon Ra isn't super high in my rankings right now, I feel like I'm not high enough on him. And I think that's more so to say, because I'd love to be higher. Absolutely. I would, I, I do. I don't think Jamison Williams is a thing this year. I really don't. If it's not, I mean, it's going to be next year. I, I love Jamison Williams. Don't get Agreed. me wrong. He he would maybe one of my favorite rookie wide receivers that we've had in the last few years. But I think it's I think it's 2023 for Jamison Williams. I think Amon Ra could turn into that guy that it's just not sexy all the time. But he's just going to be the guy that leads the team in targets. He's going to be the guy they look to move the chains on third down. He's going to look to be the guy that you know makes a big play happen when they need something. And 
we can't count on Dan Campbell as of yet to rely on DeAndre Swift until the fourth quarter of ball games. It's like the only time that you know Swift got work last year was late in the second half when they were already trailing. Amon Ra just slowly but surely seems to be the safest, most consistent weekly option going forward in Detroit. Do we think that Amon Ra is a light version of what Hunter Renfro was last year? Like I called him Robert Woods in my scouting report, a lesser Robert Woods. I was talking more like production wise where, Uh, okay. Yes. Hunter Renfro was good, but it wasn't one of those things where like you were like looking at Hunter Renfro saying, I'm going to get top five wide receiver numbers from this guy, or I'm going to get top eight. It was one of those things where you put him in your lineup is probably your wide receiver three most weeks. And you knew he was going to be super solid there. Like that role for Detroit, where you're going to put him on in your lineup. He's probably never going to like quote unquote, win you a week. He's never going to be top one, five, seven, but he's a guy that every single week could be right at that very low wide receiver one status some weeks if he scores. And then if he doesn't, he could still have enough volume where he could be like that mid to high kind of wide receiver too. just a guy that's, he's never going to be sexy this year. He's never going to put up crazy numbers, but he's going to be consistent at times. That's what I feel like it could end up happening and be like best case scenario for him. The more we talk about him, the more I'm starting to like him more and more. He's gorgeous. He's gorgeous. I mean, it just it makes sense now long run maybe not so much dynasty wise i mean i think he's gonna be solid but i think i think once jameson williams gets in there it's gonna be a different story but being that we're talking about the detroit lions with these weapons and jared goff still as the quarterback amon Ra just makes a ton of sense a ton of sense tj hawkinson somebody who's not known for being the healthiest of all football players maybe 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 I need to revisit my, I don't even know where I have Amon Ra. And if we start talking about Jared Goff and okay, yes, he isn't the greatest quarterback ever, but he was able to support an LA Rams offense and he did it very well to MVP levels in that Super Bowl year that they went. So it is possible, especially with the pieces they have here, but I do agree. I do feel that Jamison Williams is unlikely to have a big impact on this offense year one. Just, I just, I just don't see it. And everyone wants him back. Some, some of your Detroit people are saying in September week one, he's going to be playing. I'm like, good Lord. What are you trying to do to this man's ACL? Jameson Williams. Yeah, that's, not gonna, that's not going to happen. What has Ethan said about him? He is saying to avoid him. Okay. Right. Because even though avoid he's doing side shuffles. Yeah, absolutely. Avoid. Cause I think there's two different, two different things here. Do we avoid him because we don't think he plays at all? Or do we avoid him because we don't think he's going to be fully healthy or make that big of an impact this year? I don't think we see him on the field for any sort of volume until after week 10. Okay. That's where I'm at. I'm talking November. Yeah. So, I mean, yep. now maybe you're, you once you get to like week six, week seven, and you're starting to see reports that he's starting to practice. He's somebody you scoop up right away, sure. not just because you're you need to bank on him. But people are home. drafting him. I think they're yeah. drafting him higher than they're drafting Chark. Yeah, see, and that is I, I can't do that. I don't want a guy to take up a bench spot for ten weeks or so. But I mean, looking at where I have Amon Ra, the hardest part about Amon Ra is there are just so many damn good wide receivers. Like, could I move him higher? You're like, yeah, I really could, but like. Ugh. Do I put him above Jerry Judy? I like Jerry Judy this year too. You know what I mean? Like it's just so many other options. Rashad Bateman. Like I kind of put him up in there in the similar type of, you know, area is that. 
Heck, even Christian Kirk, he's somebody who's just going to rack up a bunch of targets on a horrible team that's throwing every single week. So it's hard to really move these guys higher. I currently have a Monra at 37. I feel like that's way too low. Looking at it, I, w- I would put a Monra above all three of those guys you just said right now. Would you put him above mm, Darnell Mooney? Yes. Would you put him above Adam Thielen? No. That would put him at number 30th overall-ish. Okay. I'm okay so, I mean, but but right you now. think about it and you say that out loud, you're like, dude, it's way better than, than wide receiver 30. Right. You know what I mean? But it's like there's just so many good options that it's like to say I get him up in the, the low 20s is almost impossible. Well, in my video that I did the other day talking about these late round targets, when I talked about Chark, it was kind of the same thing. I haven't been out on Amon Ra. I've just been weary of him because I'm worried about where his ADP finishes. And I'm looking at this because the biggest thing is, is that people are going to say, oh, Jared Goff. Anytime someone has any type of a response about the Detroit Lions offense, it's always going to be about Jared Goff and the negativity is going to start there. But in my video the other day, I showed everybody that while Jared Goff was in L.A., you know, obviously with a different coaching staff, maybe a sure. much better coaching staff, he can make two fantasy wide receivers viable. Uh, in 2017, Cup was 26, Woods was 32. Again, not excellent numbers, but Watkins was 38 right behind them. So it was more along the lines of spreading out to three guys. In 2018, Woods was 10, Cooks was 13. In 2019, Cup was four, Woods was 17. In 2020, Woods was 13, Cup was 27. So if there's no Jamison Williams this year, or at least for a majority of the season, you have to assume that Amon Ra has an absolute shot at being again, like we said ago, a minute ago, high wide receiver two. And DJ Chark is also going to probably be fantasy viable at that point. It's I just don't see how it can't happen. And then you throw TJ Hawkinson in there, gives you five, 600 yards, maybe six touchdowns ish in the red zone. Jared Goff can do that. He can supply that 100%. Absolutely, he can. Amon Ra had 488 slot snaps last year. Sixth highest among all wide receivers. Oh, yeah, he'll play in the slot 100%. Even if Williams doesn't play, he'll play in the slot. And he had 100, what, 119 targets last year, and most of that came after week 10. So sign me up all day. Detroit screwed up because I was advocating that Amon Ross should have been that slot starter from week one. And, and they just, they nursed him along until the injuries and he showed. And like you said, he's put together human being. He had strength as it was anyway. Mm-hmm. Let's go Amon Ra. I'm all for it, baby. I don't like this segment. Why? Why? Cause we're all liking the lions. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's just not normal. Not it used to this, but we're going to get to the season and I'm going to be let down. You will be let down again, so just be patient. You're on the you're on like floor number three of the rebuild. Okay, you're you're not on the ground anymore. You're on three. How many floors are in this building, Josh? There's like there's like fifty. Oh my gosh! (laughs) But you're you're like on three. You can jump a bunch of floors quickly. Trust me. But what what needs to happen for you to be not disappointed? Five hundred. I think that's a success. I think it is. I too. think a 500 season is a success. I do too. I it shows you moving in the right direction. I think if you are potentially fighting for a playoff spot with oh, now you're getting now you're getting greedy. Well, we if go. you're finishing at 500, <laughs> stay humble, Kyle. Stay humble. <laughs> but here's the thing: if you're finishing it at 500 ish, you're probably in that playoff conversation for a wild card spot towards the end of the year. 
probably not being taken seriously, but you're being shown on that graphic. You're on the screen. In the hunt, you're seeing a Lions logo. I think that right there would be an absolute tremendous jump. Moving from three to six wins, I would like to see a little bit more this season if the defense takes a step forward. Depending on how good the defense plays, that's what's going to take this team. Jeff Okuda, can he step up? come back from the injury and be the top pick that he was at one point in time. Can Aiden Hutchinson get after the quarterback the way that he was drafted to be? Can the linebackers, you know, cover their spots, get some pressure as well. Can the secondary hold up that? I mean, six wins for me, if they only get six wins, I'm going to look at it and I'm going to look at the defense. If the defense was middle of the pack and they only get six wins, I'm going to be disappointed. I would like a few more wins or a couple more wins there. If they were a bottom tier defense, if they sucked all season, then six wins is going to be fantastic because that means the offense probably kept them in a lot of games. And then and I'm I still so used to 16 game seasons and I'm talking about being 500, forgetting that you can't even be 500 anymore. That's, That's true. <laughs> That's right. I think I went through their their schedule and I had them going seven and nine or seven and 10 now. If uh, yeah, seven and 10. And yeah. I mean, th- I would that, like to, to see that to me would be 500. Yeah, yeah. Interesting stuff talking about your lions for once unreal. But let's play a game. Let's play this game. It's wonderful. We love it. It's who do you want more in redraft? Because it's like <laughs> it's like uh, you know, prices right. Come on down. And you can for pick... sure you were gonna say who do you want in your mouth? Uh, no, we don't we don't play that game here, man. That is on a separate Whoa. channel with Zach Wilson, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> but who do you want more? Justin Herbert or Patrick Mahomes redraft this season. Silence. <laughs> because we're like silence. They're going to be tough Honestly, today. If you told me that I had to choose one, I'd pr- they're going to be so close that I would just take Herbert just because I like Herbie. I, I mean, I feel like I have to say Herbert as well, only because there's just a lot of unknown in the chief offense. Like, I, I mean, you know, they're still going to throw the ball. You know, they're going to find success. You know, Mahomes is going to throw for 4,000 yards and 30 touchdowns. Like, you know that, but Herbert this year with Allen and Mike Williams and Austin Eckler in the backfield. And we're not even talking about Guyton or Palmer or anybody else. I mean, I'm a little bit more excited for Justin Herbert this year than I am for Patrick Mahomes. I'm uh, I'm on the Herbert bandwagon as well. I think he's going to, he's going to flirt with massive numbers this year and he's just going to, Ball out, but what about Kyler Murray or Jalen Hurts? Kyler Murray. Yes, I'm still going with Kyler Murray. I mean, I just can't get on board with Jalen Hurts throwing the football down the field yet. He's got to get on board with Jalen Hurts throwing the football. Okay, well, that's another thing. Yeah, I mean, no team threw less than the Philadelphia (laughs) Eagles last year. Now they added an alpha wide receiver one. Like, how does the split score around? Like, I, do they start to like force him to throw the ball more and by forcing Jalen to throw more, do more mistakes happen? Even though there's no DeAndre Hopkins the first six weeks, I still feel like Kyler Murray and the Cardinals passing offense is in a better spot and I can still capitalize from the rushing upside that way. Yeah, I agree. I think it is still Kyler, even though Hurts with his running upside and his fourth quarter garbage comebacks. I mean, it is what it is. Lamar Jackson or Joe Burrow? I'm taking Joe Burrow. Ooh. Son of a. I have, I will say this. I think I do have Lamar Jackson a spot higher in my rankings, but I would still draft Joe Burrow. (laughs) Yeah. I, uh, I think Lamar goes absolutely crazy this year. The problem is, is he's going to have to do it with his legs because they took away the majority of his 
top tier wide receiver talent when Hollywood Brown left. I would, if Hollywood Brown was still in Baltimore right now, I would be all say I'd be all over going Lamar Jackson. But being that we have Rashad Bateman, Mark Andrews, some banged up running backs right now, and all the the weight on Lamar's shoulders to have to run for over a thousand yards. I feel like it's going to be an easier mountain to climb every single week with Joe Burrow. I think it's just a little bit more consistent. I think we see huge weeks from Lamar, but I think we see 22 points plus every single week from Joe Burrow. So I think Joe Burrow is probably the safer option. Even though Lamar put on like 15 pounds of straight muscle. He looks great, dude. Like, I mean, damn, man, he was, he wasn't even flexing that arm at uh, his training session. And there was like a huge, like bowling ball in his arm. But yeah, I got to go Joey B as well. I just think they're put together, man. I mean, how can you go against uh, Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, and Mixon and company? They're just too good. Russell Wilson. And with a much better offensive line. And with a much better offensive line, 100%. But Russell Wilson or Aaron Rodgers? Russell Wilson. And I'm not even going to think about this one. Yeah. I'm going to take the upside with Wilson. I think that the reason Russell Wilson is in Denver now is because he's been handcuffed by Pete Carroll in the offense for a few years, and they kind of just – eventually got to a point where it was time to split ways you don't bring russell wilson to denver with jerry judy Cortland sutton javante williams melvin gordon tim patrick albert are you okay and just ask him to turn around you know and and do nothing with the football i think we see russ cook this year uh we know he can deliver the deep ball we know he can hit those receivers underneath like we saw so many years with tyler lockett so i mean i i love the denver offense so i'm going i'm going with russell are we sleeping a little too much on Aaron this year without Devontae? Probably. I, Probably. I think, so. I I think, think so. we are. But, I mean, I, I'm okay with risking that because you're going into a season with, okay, who am I reliant upon in Green Bay? I get everybody, it. Everybody wants to say, oh, Christian Watson's going to be this next thing. And I love the talent of Christian Watson. But going from where Christian Watson was in college to being, you know, front and center in an NFL offense, really, I don't I, – I can't buy that. Randall Cobb is just – I think he I think he is drawing social security now if I had had to double check. Uh it's just one of those things where I think Aaron can make any receiver viable, but do I want to go into it and say, "Hey, Christian Watson, Alan Lazard, Randall Cobb, those are the guys that are going to get me QB1 numbers every week." I just can't say it. I think he'll be safe. Like I think he'll give you decent numbers any single week, but I just I want the upside that Wilson has in that offense where it could just blow up, especially in that division. They're going to be have they're going to have to throw the ball a ton. And that's where I'm going. I think it's because the sheer amount of points that are going to be scored in the uh, AFC West, it's just going to be ridiculous. But running backs, Derek Henry or Christian McCaffrey. (laughs) Who do you want more? Come on down. Well. So if I'm drafting Christian McCaffrey or Derek Henry, this is going to have to be obviously your first round pick, your first overall pick. I've got I I do have Christian McCaffrey a spot ahead of Derrick Henry right now. I'm just I'm going to take the chance that he's healthy a lot more this season than he has been the last couple of years. It hurts. I know it hurts. It hurts. It does. It, it, it's painful. Cuz we just talked about Christian McCaffrey earlier and like <laughs> the potential of what that could right. be. Right. I still think that Derrick Henry is probably the safer option in week in, in round 1. I feel like he's going to be the guy that we can kind of pencil in as still being a workhorse running back that's going to get you a lot of points and a lot of touchdowns. But if you want to gamble, like to me, you go Christian McCaffrey, but you have to make sure if you do that, that you commit to the next three rounds 
of not taking any more risk. Because if you if you follow up risk with risk, you could be headed in for a disaster of a year if it all doesn't pan out. So if it's me, depending on the league that I'm in and where you know I feel like people are going to fall, if I take McCaffrey over Derrick Henry, I am definitely going to make sure I have at least two more other running backs in the next three rounds. I will say this too, and I don't know if this is going to make any sense to the people listening. It depends on where I'm drafting as well. Sure it does. If I'm drafting like top of the first, and I know for a fact that I'm not going to get a pick until the back end of the second, I'm more likely to take Derrick Henry, knowing that the running back talent I might want to offset Christian McCaffrey could be gone by then. But if I'm drafting like middle of the first, like maybe five, six, seven, and both of them have fallen that far to me, I'm more likely to take the risk on risk on Christian McCaffrey, knowing that I only have to wait a few picks to get back to the mid of the second for me to be able to hammer home like a Leonard Fournette, maybe a Nick Chubb if he falls a little bit, whatever it may be, making me feel much better about my running back situation there. So that kind of plays into it as well. If it's me and it's who I want more, I want the healthy CMC. Please be healthy, sir. Cause you're going to put up like 80 points a week. And like you always do, but Aaron Jones or Joe Mixon, who do no. you want more? Why, why, why would you even ask me that question? I know. I know where you're going. Joe Mixon, baby. hundred okay. percent. Don't even have to think about it. Aaron Jones is a must have player for me this year. hundred percent. Not backing off that, but I still have Joe Mixon ranked higher. So I like Plus you could I, have both in your draft. I could. I mean, you could you could seriously draft Mixon and Aaron Jones this year and have them both on your team. It's not part of the game. It's who do you want more? Stop confusing <laughs> I shit. I mean, if I have to pick one, it's I still have Mixon higher. But the reason I love Aaron Jones is because where you can get him in drafts. But look at what Joe Mixon has done behind horrendous offensive lines for years. Now, he arguably has one of the best in the league and enough offensive firepower on the outside to draw all the defenses outside of the box and really doesn't have much staring over his shoulder in the backfield. I mean, Joe Mixon is primed to have another huge year this year. It's Joey Mixon for me all day long, even though I don't know. I've been in up PPR and down our leagues. It gets a little closer. <laughs> it does. And I mean, I, I, I've been so up and down on Aaron Jones because he fades from the times you need him the most. And I always remember when you hurt me, so I'm going to go Joe Mixon. Barkley or Zeke? <laughs> Here we go. Who do you want more? What round is it? It doesn't matter. <laughs> Who do you I, want more? They both have risks. They both have potential issues. I probably risk it with Barkley. Yes. Sorry, Chouse, but I'm going to go with Zeke. Uh, yes, I think so when, I, when I see both of these guys, I think the higher ceiling is still going to be Barkley for sure. But at that point, if I'm choosing between the two of them, I have a for quote unquote for sure type thing with Zeke Elliott, where he's going to get 1200 yards and seven touchdowns. Like I kind of just know that going in, he's going to be hovering right around there with Saquon Barkley. I have no idea what he's going. He's either going to have 600 total yards and three touchdowns and miss a handful of games where he's going to have 1500 total yards and 15 touch. Like there's that's just, where I'm too going. Big that's a, where I'm going. There's just too big of a span there to like, which one is it going to be? So at that point, I'm probably going Zeke and taking the for sure thing. I've said it like a million times. This is the last year I'm in on the Barkley thing. And then we're divorced and I will never <laughs> preach him up again. So I'm going Barkley. Never say never, never say never, but it is over. If you don't do it, Barkley, I'm telling you, this is it. 
Travis Etienne, my boy, or mm. J.K. Dobbins? Mm. Mm. I'll take Etienne right now just because we're still not 100% clear on Dobbins. If Dobbins is 100% healthy, I'm going Dobbins. If he's 100% healthy, yes, I'm going Dobbins. But because we don't know yet and it's still kind of speculatory whether he's good to go week one, I'm going to say Etienne because I love I, – I literally think Etienne could be one of those guys that flirts with 100 receptions this year. Easy. Yep. And, Easy. And the breakaway ability is just going to get everybody to knock over their tables with their chubs, I'm yeah, telling you. I, I love that that portion of it, but it's only because I don't know about J.K. Dobbins. I mean, to have the number one running back on the team that's probably going to run – some of the most footballs in all of the the land this year. Don't look at me like that, Kyle. Just because I said balls, the way, like the way, no, the way you said it, run the most footballs. Yeah, they're going to run footballs everywhere. Uh, I love J.K. Dobbins because he can be out there for all three downs, and he can catch passes, and he can be explosive just like Etn. We just don't really know yet. So, I love me some Travis Etn. I'm hoping to get him in one of my drafts here pretty soon. Hell yeah. We signed me up for uh, Travis Etienne because you know I wanted him in Buffalo, so that just stays just as a side note. But Miles Sanders or Antonio Gibson? I'll just take no player that round. <laughs> <laughs> just give up my pick. Yeah, just, no I'll just cho- forfeit my pick. <laughs> no choice. Pick one. Well, wide receivers available right there. I've <laughs> yeah. already drafted too many running tight backs. ends. Tight ends are available at this point. Um, I'm mm. pick one. Damn it. Let me go. I love both of them. Like, I wish they could both be a thing, but their coaches hate them. Nick Sirianni and Ron Rivera just literally stick up their middle finger at your fantasy team every single week. Miles Sanders and all of his advanced analytics just scream ridiculous talent. The problem is, is like they just don't commit to him. He can't stay healthy either. Antonio Gibson, we thought we got rid of JD McKissick. Think again, J.D. McKissick is back, and then they drafted Brian Robinson. So now not only could he lose passing work, he could lose goal line work. That's a huge problem. I'll probably go Miles Sanders and not love it. Antonio Gibson for me is a little safer. Just because even if he loses touches, he's still going to be the number one back. So I still think he has a shot at the goal line carries, and he's not going to lose carries to his quarterback either. Carson Wentz isn't going to be out there sprinting around. So Antonio Gibson is a safer option for me. Miles Sanders with the home run ability, though, would absolutely have a better ceiling for me every week. But I probably lean towards Antonio Gibson just knowing that he's he's a little bit on the safer side. I've been risky with everybody else, so I'm going to be safe yeah, in this pick. Fair enough. And I'm I'm going to stick with my boy Miles because, I don't know, I got a Penn State connection problem for some reason. I don't know. but If Sirianni could commit to like 15 to 18 touches a week to Miles yes. Sanders, dude is a top 12 running back every single year. Miles needs to figure out his injury problem, too. I'm. It's not just all, on, like you said, on the coach either. I mean, yeah. stay out of the damn medical room, Miles. Like, what are you doing, man? Damn. Tape it up. Tape it up and just rub some it. ointment on it. That's right, man. Rub something on it, man. Ocho Cinco used to rub his his uh you know his cream on his gloves apparently. So do something like that. That's awkward. Yeah, I know. But hey, but talking about wide receivers, come out. It did come out. It was on. It was all over Twitter. He used to. No, I, mean, I believe. I bet you he wishes it didn't. Yeah, he's like. I, he even said it though. He admitted. Oh. He's like, I used to nut in my gloves. Who who better to trust catching passes than my kids? I was like, holy shit. But now we move on to catchers of balls. Right, uh, great, great segue. Literally guys, now, not just figuratively. You guys like that. <laughs> go to manscaped.com and, uh, you know, 20% off headliner, free 20% shipping. 20% there you go. Damn, Pass. normally I'm so quick with those plugs. Yeah, I didn't you, even get it that slack. You missed it. See, I set you up and you missed it. <laughs> Stefan Diggs or Debo Samuel? 
Diggs. I'm going with Diggs. I think not only does he see more volume, I think he's just safer. If Debo was like locked up for years and there was no issues and he was 100% happy in, in, in San Francisco, I think it's a lot closer. But I'm, I'm Diggs. I have a hard time picking players who are disgruntled where they are. It's true. Facts. I'm going Diggs as well. Mike Evans or Keenan Allen? Oh, love them both. Yes, indeed. I'm going to go Mike Evans. I am too. I'm even with Keenan. Shield your eyes, Keenan. Keenan behind me. Don't let him hear this. I'm going to go Mike Evans. I like both of them. Like, I think both of them are borderline like steals where you can get him like early third round or so. But Mike Evans' opportunity in that offense with no Gronk, a hurt Chris Godwin, who's going to take some time to come back, could absolutely just annihilate the the stat columns for the, the beginning of the season. So I'm going Mike Evans. I love it all day long. I think Mike Evans is going to be one of the better wide receivers this year at, at such a bargain. I love it. Jalen Waddle or T Higgins? I already know Jake's answer. Then Waddle, you go first. Waddle time. It is. I'm actually wearing the shirt that says Waddle. <laughs> I'm not. Um, yeah, go ahead. You go first. Quit thinking about it. Waddle has it. more upside to me. Waddle has a little bit more upside, and he probably has an opportunity to maybe be a little bit more consistent. But the reason I'm going with T Higgins is because I'm taking the quarterback in the offense. Yeah, I've got guys that are really close at the wide receiver position. I always kind of defer to the quarterback at that point. I'll take Joe Burrow. That I can't argue with for sure. I'll give you that. But what I love about Jalen Waddle is the, the routes that he's going to be asked to run this year are more than in the wheelhouse of Tua. And I, I watched some some film breakdown from Kurt Warner a couple weeks ago. Been tagging him on Twitter. Dude's ignoring me. If, if you want to see, you know, me and Kurt Warner talk, go respond to some tweets because I've been trying to get a hold of this guy forever. Um, <laughs> but he broke it down perfectly when he was talking about the addition of Tyreek Hill to the offense. What could it do to the overall offense and the way that it could open things up for Jalen Waddle? Sure, he's not going to be the guy that's making the, the top play on sports now that's catching the 60-yard bomb. That's probably still going to be, at times, Tyreek Hill. Not so much maybe as often as we saw with Mahomes, but every once in a while. Jalen Waddle is going to be the guy that takes the five-yard slant and makes three defenders miss and takes it 65 yards. So I think that Waddle still has the opportunity to lead the team in receptions. And it's because a lot of people, myself included, I'm not banking on the fact that I want Tua to be Patrick Mahomes. I want Tua to be Tua and, and really take advantage of his skill set. He's a highly accurate quarterback. And if you're not asking him to go deep down the field consistently, you didn't, you know, get Tyreek Hill to have him run, you know, eight yard curls. It's just that's not what you got Tyreek Hill to do. You know what I mean? So I think Jalen Waddle still racks up some some numbers in this offense. And th- that's where I'm going. So the one thing that worries me too is the run game, man. Like what's the mm-hmm. run game going to be? I know they've got a lot of running backs there, but when you have a run game that's non-existent, like if none of these guys can really do a whole lot, at that point it frees those safeties up to not have to worry about looking in the backfield. And if those safeties are freed up to only solely worry about the wide receivers, helping in coverage or man-to-man, whatever it may end up being, that could make Waddle's life over the middle a little bit more difficult than what I would like it to. So that's just another reason why I'm kind of going with Higgins, just just because, you know, we know that run game is going to be better too. So that success factor, I will argue that one because Waddle is so good in the intermediate 15 to 20 yard range on the sevens, on the nines. And I think that's his bread and butter. And the fact like where, where I'm evaluating my rookie wide receiver talent now 
the more I see it, the more I evaluate it's, it's first step off the line. And it's how quick do you separate when you're in the open field? Jalen Waddle separates like a freaking madman. And it, it's, it's probably one of the better set. And it's not just with speed, his, his technique and his ability to sharp cut is so good and precise that I think that he is going to be head and shoulders better than a lot of NFL talent in the next few years in that respect. I, I just, I love the skill set. And if they did have a top end QB, good God, this offense, they're going to be a track team anyway. I mean, even when it comes to uh, Raheem Mostert with Waddle, with Tyreek, they're going to be able to run fast. So for me, I'm going Waddle. I just, I, I love the skill set way too much to, to, to not if say. If Tua otherwise. takes a step forward this year and becomes the guy that was coming out of college before he got hurt, was that, was that type of player at the NFL level? Is Jalen Waddle putting up Cooper Cup esque numbers within the next one to two years? Dude, I can totally see it, dude. If, if, totally. Tua, if, Tua, if Tua can up his game to that level, hell yeah, man. Especially it, with the coaching staff coming over from San Francisco. Like they know how to do all that kind of stuff. And yeah. Jalen Waddle just fits that mold. And that's where it's just, I, I can't totally abandon him. Obviously, he, he lost some value when they signed Tyreek Hill 100%. They didn't pay Tyreek Hill hundreds of millions of dollars to not be a thing. Like he's going to be, he's going to be their number one, but in this offense, there's going to be room for two and Jalen Waddle could be the one that benefits from the lesser defensive coverage each and every week. So I'm, I'm firmly still on the Waddle bandwagon. I am currently waddling. Waddle. Waddle time can just be decent. Be decent. Boom. They have like a hundred of them. So they'll at least (laughs) find one. Can they use all 100 at one time? Uh, pretty pretty <laughs> much. They're going to try. Definitely going to try, man. Brandon Cooks or DK Metcalf, as funny enough as this is. Jeez Louise, It sounds man. funny, but I'll take Brandon Cooks. Me too. It's funny. Brandon, Brandon Cooks is going to get you 1,000 yards and five-ish touchdowns. What is DK going to get you? DK is yep. going to have you a week where he scores two or three touchdowns, has a massive week, and then the next week he's going to have 15 targets but only catch two of them for like 10 yards. That's it. And who is DK's quarterback going to be? I'm terrified with the quarterback. I am too. I just can't do it. Sorry, DK, you need to be on another team, probably Chicago next year. But I wouldn't wouldn't mind that. Gabe Davis or Adam Thielen? Well, that's officially a lot closer than I had initially anticipated. (laughs) The top side is with Davis. The upside is definitely with Davis. Totally. I probably go Gabe Davis just because, again, Thielen's getting to this point in his career where injuries are starting to get to be a little nagging. He's lost the volume because the volume is now Justin Jefferson's. You still have Dalvin Cook. Irv Smith Jr. will be healthy this year. K.J. Osborne. That K.J. Osborne had a pretty decent year last year. So for me, Thielen is trending down where Gabe Davis is trending up. So I would probably take Gabe Davis because if Thielen doesn't score 10 touchdowns, he's going to be a pain to own every week. You remember that thing how you said a little bit ago about how this is your last year with Saquon Barkley? It's kind of like my last year with Gabe Davis. Because mm. I kind of believe, I'm not because of Gabe Davis, but it's like sure. if they don't use him this year, yep. when are when are they ever going to? I agree because it just makes sense that it is, it, this is the year, right? We saw it towards the end of the year. We've seen we've seen flashes for years with Gabe Davis. He's not the issue. It's just like he's used so sporadically, and myself included. I've looked at the roster a bajillion and twelve times this offseason, and you see Jamison Crowder come in, and we automatically pencil him in to the Cole Beasley role because it kind of just fits. 
But what if that's not the case? And what if Gabe Davis is the, one of the main beneficiaries from all those vacated targets? Now you got a guy that's not just going to dink and dunk it down the field. You have big play capable wide receivers that's going to be looked for in the red zone. I mean, Gabe Davis's upside is huge, but they, they have to use the guy. Like, I feel like he's just been wasted for a couple of years. It's a tough one, man. It is such this one is and everyone would think I'd be like, oh, it's Gabe 100 percent because I'm a Bills fan. No, nah, man, this one is so damn hard because I still believe I still believe Adam Thielen has two years left in the tank of quality, quality uh, effort for our fantasy teams. And you're talking all the attention to JJ, you know, Dalvin, all the attention he gets, you know, Thielen's going to be like that forgotten man. And I'm talking 10 touchdowns is going to 10 to 12 touchdowns is like easy business for an Adam Thielen. And then now we're just saying, okay, maybe the yardage won't be over a thousand anymore, but you could team that up with another 85 to 90 receptions, potentially in this offense with 12 touchdowns, maybe like what? 800 yards, 850. That's still a damn good season for a wide receiver. Who's probably your flex play at this point. Yeah. I, I love Adam <sighs> Thielen. So, and especially when you talk about this offense and how it's going to change this year with the new coaching staff, it's going to yeah, be a little man. bit more up-tempo, a little bit more high powered, a little bit more, LA Rams-esque, not so much identical, but something similar than, you know, not what we've seen the past few years in Minnesota, where it's a little bit, you know, slower and methodical. Adam Thielen to me is just that guy. And I can't tell you, I mean, Kyle's not going to remember either, but there have been multiple weeks over the last couple of years where Kyle has broken down Adam Thielen and say, listen, if the guy doesn't find the end zone, he's not going to score you 10 points and he's going to, he's going to be a sit for me. And then he'll make it three and a half quarters. <laughs> Yeah. And have like 40 yards receiving and then score two damn touchdowns in the fourth quarter. Like that's that's just Adam Thielen. He is a touchdown scoring wide receiver. And it's hard to not look at that safety. We don't ever want to count on touchdowns, but we know he's going to get the looks in the red zone. I specifically remember one of those (laughs) times I was standing in the checkout line at the grocery store and I had been checking the store because I would, because I got heat for it that week. And I was like, Thielen hasn't done anything. Thielen hasn't done anything. And then I looked and he had like a 77-yard touchdown in, in front of people. I was like, son of a bitch. <laughs> They're like, what? What just happened? And it's true. It's facts. So I don't know. This one is a lot tougher for me. I want Gabe Davis, but I want Adam Thielen. And hopefully I can get both. So I'm cheating on my own rules, but whatever. Last one, Brandon Ayuk or Devonta Smith? I'm going to go with Ayuk. And I, I don't love it. But I just look, we talked about Philadelphia earlier. Okay, so we know they're not going to throw a lot. I'm not going to keep hammering home that point. But they didn't lose anybody to open up any targets, and they still gained A.J. Brown. So if A.J., you got to think with the money that he's making, he's going to come in and be a focal point of this offense. So even if you pencil him in for a modest 100 targets, where is that going to come from in this offense? They're not going to throw the ball 100 more times, are they? I mean, I maybe. But then you open yourself up for the more mistakes from Jalen Hurts, like we talked about earlier. I just don't know where the volume is going to come from. And I have a feeling that between uh, Dallas Goddard, between uh, A.J. Brown, uh, not so much Jalen Rager, maybe now and again, the running backs, uh, it's just not going to leave a whole lot left for Devontae Smith to where he's seen consistent volume. Kyle's still thinking he wants to say, Something he's he thinking, wants to pick Devontae. He's thinking Smith. hard, and it's. You know. I I don't want to pick Devontae Smith. I want to pick Brandon Ayuk. The thing with me is, I think Brandon Ayuk and Debo Samuel function differently, so I'm more inclined to say Brandon Ayuk because Devontae Smith and AJ Brown function 
more along the lines of like the same type of a wide receiver. So probably going to go Brandon Ayuk. Also, if it is Trey Lance, I'll take Trey Lance over Jalen Hurts. So. Yeah, so it's this one's tough for me because I want to. I'll have a sure answer once we see training camp because I truly believe that with AJ Brown on this offense, Devontae Smith is going to go back to the Alabama ways of how he operated, be in the, you know, flats over the middle, small, and then trying to take it and then maybe have some red zone jump appeal because his arms are like eight feet long. That's kind of where I see it. So maybe touchdown upside could go to Smith a little bit more. But again, it's it's the fear and what Jalen Hurts is capable of in this offense. Can he support it? Can he do it on a weekly basis? Very, very tricky. Just the Brandon Ayuk thing. I like Brandon Ayuk, but I just Kyle Shannon, these last couple of seasons, he's just confusing he the like hell. <laughs> he's confusing me, man. I just it's I just very don't easy understand. to get in the doghouse. It is, man. You sneeze wrong and you're in the doghouse. So I don't know. I'll go Smith here just for the hell of it. I I I love Devontae Smith as the, as a player. It's just the whole situation in Philadelphia that I can't, I just can't get on board with it. Had they lost something and had some vacated targets to accommodate AJ Brown, maybe I feel differently. But like, where do you squeeze in a hundred more targets in this offense? I just don't. I don't know. They got you. Got to think Hertz has to throw more. You have to believe that it's coming. Otherwise, what is it for? His, his payday is coming next year after this year, isn't it? So he's got to prove it. Put up or shut up. So maybe they do throw hundred and fifty more times. Oh man. I don't know if I like that. I mean, you have to have it for the wide receiver standpoint, but I just don't know if I, I don't know if I like that from the Jalen Hurts standpoint. I just, we love him scoring us those points because he's running the football, but if he's getting negative two points for interceptions all over the place, it's not going to help him running the football all over the place. 25 interceptions for Jalen Hurts, but Hey, are we going to have a Jameis, Jameis Winston esque season coming for Jalen Hurts? (laughs) Probably. Maybe. I won't let him throw the ball that much. I don't think they do. If he gets that close to that many interceptions, he's going to be on the bench. Yes, he will. Yes, he will. Gardner Minshew will be the guy, but that's all I got. That is the games. That is the show. That's all I got, fellas. Hey, you know what? For there being not a whole lot of news this off season, I, I commend you there, Chris Chaus, for continuing to find things to talk about for an hour to an hour and a half when there ain't jack crap going on. In this the is NFL what the we part. do, man. Oh, I know, Shit. I know. And the people absolutely love it. And we're starting, NFL, to, starting to reap the benefits of it. So we greatly appreciate that. You know, that's how we roll, baby. But anyway, let's get the hell out of here. Thanks for that. But hey, so on that note, that is the show. Thanks so much for tuning in. To all the listeners, thank you for all the support. And until next time, stay safe and be kind to each other. I'm out.